The America's National Parks podcast is sponsored by L.L. Bean, dedicated to helping you experience all the benefits of time outside and stay more comfortable while you're out there. From soft and breathable activewear designed to do it all, to just right layers perfect for changing weather, to sun smart clothing that blocks the sun's harmful rays, every L.L. Bean product is made with comfortable time outside in mind. Visit LLBean.com to shop now. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. National trails are secretly my favorite of the over 400 different National Park Service units. So I thought it would be great to do an episode explaining what the national trails are because not a lot of people understand them. Thankfully, someone did the work for me. I'm Jason Epperson, and today on the America's National Parks podcast, we join Aaron Marr, superintendent of the National Trails Office in Santa Fe, New Mexico. In this audio, Aaron talks about what makes a national trail and a little bit about the El Camino Real. Here's Aaron. Well, hi, everybody. My name is uh, Aaron Marr, and I'm the superintendent of the National Park Service's National Trails Office in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Now, in our office, we administer nine of the 19 National Historic Trails in the United States. And when I tell people um, that fact, they're often confused because they ask, first of all, what, what are National Historic Trails? What are National Trails? And it's a pretty good question. And if you're asking yourself that, um, I hope that in the next few minutes, I'll be able to answer that for you. Um, now, when you think of National Park Service, of course, the first thing that's going to come to your mind is probably uh, Yellowstone National Park or Yosemite National Park, maybe the Everglades or um, Acadia National Park, perhaps that might come to mind. But in fact, the National Park Service includes a broad number of different units that protect and make available to the public our most precious natural and cultural wonders. And that includes things like national recreation areas, uh, national monuments. Uh, national monuments can protect both natural and cultural sites. Um, they can include a broad array of cultural sites from battlefields to ancient indigenous sites to broad cultural landscapes, to historic homes and cultural landscapes. You know, all of those form part of our national heritage and, uh, and our national heritage and landscapes. Um, now, national trails are a component of that family, but they represent a specific type of resource that is more challenging and it's also more inspiring to protect and to develop and to experience. National Historic Trails commemorate those significant features of our history that represent movement of people over the landscape. So that rather than commemorating a single spot where something occurred like a, like a battle or a national memorial or a site or a house where something important happened or someone lived, National Historic Trails recognize the important role that movement or transportation over the landscape played in our history. And those acts of movement, 
those acts of transportation over the landscape are diverse. So, for example, um, exploration plays a very important role in our history. And there are National Historic Trails that commemorate that. For example, the Lewis and Clark National Historic Trail from the Mississippi River to the Pacific Coast, traveled by the explorers Meriwether Lewis and George Clark in 19, or excuse me, in 1803, played a very important role in our national history. The Captain John Smith Trail, commemorating exploration in the Chesapeake Bay area. Another significant event over the landscape that's commemorated by a National Historic Trail. Um, indigenous movement and indigenous lifeways are commemorated in National Historic Trails. The Alakahakai Trail in Hawaii is an example of that. Um, indigenous removal, indigenous resistance is an important component of our shared history. And the Nez Perce National Historic Trail or the Trail of Tears National Historic Trail commemorate those aspects of our history. Of course, military actions played a very important role in our history and several national historic trails commemorate those actions. The Washington Rochambeau Trail and the Overmountain Victory, both, both commemorating components of the Revolutionary War are part of the national trail system. And the Star Spangled Banner National Historic Trail commemorates troop movements during the War of 1812. All of those commemorate specific components of history that recognize movement or transportation over our landscape. A really important component of the national trail system recognized the importance of European or Euro-American migration and settlement in the American West. That's one of the most significant features of our history, expansion to the West and expansion into the Southwest. And those, those actions are an important component of the trail system. Spanish expansion into the Southwest is recognized on the Camino Real de Tierra Dentro and El Camino Real de los Teas National Historic Trails. And also the Juan, Be Juan Bautista de Anza National Historic Trail. Anglo-American expansion westwards. Um, is commemorated in the Santa Fe and the Oregon and the California and the Mormon Pioneer National Historic Trails. And even, even the Selman to Montgomery National Historic Trail recognizes the struggle for voting rights in 1965. So it brings history up to the very present day. And those are all recognized in the, um, in the national trail system by National Historic Trails. Now, all of these share a common feature of recognizing a lineal feature where travelers actually walked or rode on the landscape. And these are lineal features that tie, that tie broad landscapes and sites and segments of those features together by a common theme or by a common action that occurred on that space. And that action, where those travelers traveled, made that piece of property, that space, nationally significant as an area worth commemorating and worthy of protecting and making accessible to the American public. And that's our goal in the national trail system. And that is to give people as many opportunities as possible to get onto authentic sites or segments on the trail and have as close as possible 
and ability to experience the landscape as the original trail travelers experienced. That is the fundamental goal of the national trail system and our work. And that's a challenge. That's a challenge for us. And one of those challenges that is the length of these trails. I mentioned the Selma and Montgomery National Historic Trail, and that's also our shortest National Historic Trail. It's only about 55 miles long in the state of Alabama, but most National Historic Trails are hundreds and even thousands of miles long. As an extreme example of that, the California National Historic Trail and the Trail of Tears National Historic Trail, both of those, both of those lineal features are each over 5,000 miles long. Tremendous distances, these long distance trails that we work on. Another, as you can imagine, another challenge is that the National Park Service doesn't own land on these trails, except where they cross actual national parks. Um, these trails will cross hundreds and even thousands of jurisdictions from private property community property, agency property, tribal property, um, a broad diversity of different types of, uh, of jurisdictions. But the key component of national trails is that participation by private landowners, by all these other types of land managers and landowners is entirely voluntary because the National Park Service does not own the land, nor does it have any controlling interest in the lands. So participation is entirely voluntary. The ability to open land up for visitation is based on a landowner's willingness to make that action uh, possible. So as you can imagine, the trail is usually not an unbroken hiking experience. You cannot walk 5,000 miles over the footsteps of the original trail travelers. More often these are corridors on public right-of-ways, and those public right-of-ways, usually roads, will take you to opportunities where landowners or land managers have voluntarily agreed to provide public access to these sites and participated in actions to preserve the site or develop it for interpretation and visitation. Um, they could be single sites, they could be short components of the trail, or in some cases, they're longer hiking experiences um, that could be several hundred yards, um, several miles, or in some cases, scores of miles. Um, so there's a broad number of ways you can experience National Historic Trails and have the opportunity to share in that vicarious experience of the original trail travelers. Now, the National Park Service role here is not to manage these sites but to work in partnership with these willing landowners and managers to preserve and develop these sites for the American public. So in our office, the National Trails Office in Santa Fe, we have historians, we have data managers, um, interpreters, planners, landscape architects, and preservationists. And they're all trained to provide site owners and managers with the technical assistance and some modest financial assistance to protect, to protect and develop their components of the historic corridor. So today, let's see how this works in action and visit, uh, visit some parts of a National Historic Trail. We're gonna visit today 
Um, some features of um, El Camino Real de Tierra Adentro National Historic Trail, which is located right here in New Mexico. Now, there are several um, National Historic Trails that represent Spanish expansion and settlement and development in the American Southwest. And they all commemorate the strength of our Latino heritage in the United States. Um, the Camino Real de Tierra Adentro represents the earliest expansion of Spanish society and institutions in the northern Mexico and our Southwest. And those began with indigenous footpaths that existed for centuries before European contact. Now, starting in Mexico City, the Camino Real stretches 1,200 miles through northern Mexico uh, before entering the uh, United States at the Rio Grande at El Paso. And it continued that along the Rio Grande River uh, corridor into northern New Mexico and eventually ended in Santa Fe, New Mexico and in San Juan Pueblo, just a short distance north of Santa Fe. Um, that component of the Camino Real that's in the United States from El Paso to northern New Mexico is now a national historic trail. So we're going to visit right now some components of that that are accessible to the public here in New Mexico. And for that, I'm going to turn it over to our lead historian in the office, Dr. Angelica Sanchez-Clark, who is on site at the Gutierrez Hubble Home in Albuquerque, Southwest Valley. Angelica? Hi, my name is Angelica Sanchez-Clark, and I am a historian with the National Trails Office of the National Park Service. Today, we would like to share some information and history about El Camino Real de Tierra Adentro, one of two National Historic Trails that our office co-administers with the Bureau of Land Management. This south-north historic route began in the Spanish colonial capital of Mexico City and ended just north of Santa Fe. In 1598, Juan de Oñate led a Spanish settlement expedition made up of settlers, priests, soldiers, indigenous and mestizo guides, and enslaved peoples into today's New Mexico. The Camino they established was blazed upon a network of cultural and trade routes that had linked Southwest indigenous groups from New Mexico, Arizona, and Colorado with one another and with important tribal cultures to the South. For nearly 300 years, El Camino Real de Tierra Adentro served a variety of purposes. Wagons transported royal decrees, mail, mission supplies, and merchandise. Caravans also transported cattle, sheep, goats, burros, and chickens. People that traveled the Camino included settlers, priests, government officials, merchant, enslaved indigenous peoples, and prisoners. In 1680, an Indian revolt led by the Okeawinga Pueblo religious leader, Pope, forced all Spanish residents, along with many Indians from the Pueblos of Isleta and Socorro, to leave New Mexico and retreat south to what is now El Paso, Texas and Juarez, Chihuahua. During their stay in that area, they built three missions, Isleta, Socorro and San Elisario, all of which still stand. In 1692, however, the Spanish army under Diego de Vargas reconquered and recolonized New Mexico. Over the next 200 years, the trail continued to witness periods of conflict and peace, as well as representatives of different cultures that brought with them currents of change that would forever alter the face of this land. By 1881, the arrival of the railroad 
brought an end to the long distance traffic over the Royal Road. But many local communities continued to use wagons and horses on the Camino to transport their goods and livestock to nearby villages well into the 1900s. Almost all the work we accomplish in the National Trails Office is done in collaboration with partners, volunteers, and community members. Because El Camino Real de Tierra Adentro is an international trail, we work with partners in Mexico and in the U.S. to protect, develop, and promote this historic route. Today we are at the site of one of our certified partners, the Gutierrez Hubble House in Albuquerque, South Valley. This property was originally an estancia, or ranch, on the trail, and it became one of the important parajes on the trail. Caravans made camp at parajes every 10 miles or so on the journey from northern Mexico to northern New Mexico. A paraje could be a ranch, village, or a simple campsite. These parajes served travelers for centuries. Some became the cities of today, such as Albuquerque and Socorro. We are standing in front of the Acequia Madre, or main irrigation canal, which is over a hundred years old. This irrigation system was introduced by the Spaniards, who in turn learned it from the Moors that had ruled the Iberian Peninsula for over 700 years. This historic acequia is still used today to irrigate acres of agricultural lands. In 2015, the Gutierrez Hubble House was listed on the National Register of Historic Places. Today, you can visit the Acequia Madre, 10 acres of cultivated farmland, and the main house, which is now a museum. The house faces a section of the Camino Real that is today's Isleta Boulevard, which evokes its importance as a stopping point for people traveling the first international trade route in the U.S. Let's continue our journey on El Camino Real and visit a few other trail sites. Presidio Chapel of San Elizario. The community of San Elizario, Texas is located about 17 miles southeast of El Paso on a stretch of El Camino Real known as the Mission Trail. It marks the start of the northbound trail in the United States as it moves across the Rio Grande through the lower El Paso Valley and into New Mexico. In 1788, this site was chosen for a new presidio to protect area residents and caravans traveling on the Camino. Soon after, the San Elizario Adobe Chapel was built to serve the soldiers and their families. Several floods and fires in the 1800s destroyed the chapel and the presidio. After many years of reconstruction, the church was finally completed in 1882. Although it has undergone several restorations in the 1900s, the active Catholic Church retains its 1877 framework as the spiritual heart of San Elizario. El Camino Real remained part of the city's physical and cultural landscape until the railroad bypassed the community in the late 1800s and the city returned to its quiet rural roots. Despite centuries of change, El Camino Real, today's Glorieta Road, still leads residents and visitors to and from the chapel at the old Presidio. Today, you can visit the church, the Los Portales Information Center and Museum, 
and the town square to learn more about this historic community. Hornado del Muerto and Yost Draw. The Hornado del Muerto, or Dead Man's Journey, is a parched and perilous section of El Camino Real that spans 90 miles of desert in southern New Mexico. Although there are several theories about where it got its name, the most well-known story involves a man and his horse. In 1670, German trader Bernardo Gruber was charged with practicing witchcraft by the Office of the Holy Inquisition. He managed to escape a Sandia Pueblo prison, only to die of exposure along with his horse, just beyond the escarpment at the northernmost point of Yost Draw. The Yost Draw section of El Camino Real today is one of the best preserved portions of the trail. It is managed by the Bureau of Land Management, co-administrator of El Camino Real de Tierra Dentro. Yost Draw traverses nearly 3.8 miles of the Hornado del Muerto and its clearly defined pathways, deep arroyos, and variations in vegetation convey a uniquely unchanged picture of the trail through time. Evidence of artifacts, from Spanish colonial ceramics to grinding stones to U.S. Army-issued tin cans, point to Yostra campsites and resting sites used for centuries by travelers. The route through the Hornado del Muerto was forged as a shortcut that could take days of travel off the more difficult Rio Grande course. Spanish explorer Juan de Oñate first used the shortcut on his journey north to find the New Mexico province in 1598. Despite the risks, for three centuries, Hornado del Muerto was a main thoroughfare of trade and transportation between Mexico and New Mexico, and the only track for moving heavy freight until the arrival of the railroad in the 1800s. Martinez Town, a neighborhood at a crossroads. From the corner of what is today's Martin Luther King Jr. Avenue and Edith Boulevard in the heart of Albuquerque, New Mexico, you can turn in all directions and witness hundreds of years of history. This modern day intersection represents a historic crossroads of trade and travel routes. In the 1700s and possibly earlier, the Tijeras Canyon Trail was a primary east-west route leading from the Rio Grande Valley to Tijeras Canyon and the community of Conuel. South to north is El Camino Real de Tierra Adentro, the historic trail that runs through the community of Martinez Town. In the 1700s, residents of Albuquerque's Old Town grazed their sheep in the sandhills that make up Martinez Town. Around 1850, Manuel Martin and his family moved to this area and a small agricultural community soon developed. Travelers often stopped to rest and pick up supplies in this working village. In the 1950s and 60s, long after people stopped traveling on the historic Camino, the residents of Martinez Town found themselves at a different kind of crossroads. In the 1970s, Martinez Town was declared a blighted slum, but residents successfully organized and saved their community from being razed including their local elementary school, which was originally established in 1927. Today, the students at Longfellow Elementary School 
continue to learn about El Camino Real de Tierra Adentro and the history of their community that united and fought against discrimination and economic marginalization. Together, settlers and travelers on the Camino Real helped each other survive, and Martinez Town continues to reflect the blended cultures, connection to the land, and community spirit upon which it was founded. La Bajada Mesa. La Bajada Mesa is a remote and rugged volcanic escarpment located about 10 miles southwest of Santa Fe, New Mexico. This well-preserved and historically significant section of El Camino Real de Tierra Adentro towers 600 feet high over the plains below. Despite the many challenges that travelers faced when following this rugged trail segment, the La Bajada route was an attractive option because of the availability of water. Between 1598 and 1932, travelers developed routes to cross La Bajada, following pre-contact pathways across the Mesa. The Spanish village of La Bajada, established in the early 1700s at the base of the escarpment, became an important trading center, freight depot, stage stop, and rest stop for El Camino Real travelers heading north and south. Between 1926 and 1932, the village residents helped adventurous tourists traveling the fabled Route 66 on their way to explore area pueblos and other cultural sites. Today, well-worn tracks, swales, and other reminders of past travelers are etched permanently into the landscape. As a route of conquest, settlement, religious conversion, trade and military operations for nearly three centuries, El Camino Real de Tierra Adentro transformed North American history and culture. The designation of this route as a National Historic Trail in 2000 recognizes its significance as an international historic trail that commemorates the multicultural connections and interactions between American Indians, Mexican, Black, Spanish, and other European cultures then and now. In 2010, the portion of the Camino in Mexico was added to the World Heritage List in recognition of its outstanding universal value in linking Europe and the Americas through the interchange of language, cultural traditions, rituals, and trade goods. Those are just a few of the sites that you can visit along El Camino Real de Tierra Adentro National Historic Trail. Are you interested in planning a visit or learning more? You can find more information at nps.gov forward slash ELCA or check out the trail on the National Park Service app, which can be downloaded for free in your mobile app store. Thank you for taking a journey on El Camino Real with us today. It's easy to understand the size and scope and meaning behind most of the 400 plus National Park Service sites, and they're on a lot of bucket lists but I encourage you to spend a road trip following a national trail one day. Walk in the footsteps of our history and gain a deeper appreciation and understanding of what makes America what it is today. This episode of the America's National Parks podcast was hosted by me, Jason Epperson, with audio from the National Park Service. 
no affiliation. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search National Park Podcast. You can also join our America's National Parks Facebook group. For more great American destinations, give us a listen at the Sea America podcast, available wherever you listen to this one. And if you're interested in RV travel, check out RVMiles.com or find us at the RV Miles podcast. You can also follow Abigail and me as we travel the country with our three boys all over social media as our wandering family. Today's show was sponsored by L.L. Bean. Follow the hashtag BeAnOutsider and visit LLBean.com to find great gear for exploring the national parks.